0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. I say time and time again, but we don't realise how fortunate we are in Australia until we hear stories like this one. Here at Open House, we love stories of hope, faith and determination. This one comes close to topping them all. You will be amazed. Abducted in southern Sudan at the age of six, Lopez Lemong was taken to a camp ...and trained as a child soldier, yes, at six. He miraculously managed to escape through a hole in the fence... ...and he ran for three days straight until landing at a refugee camp in Kenya. For ten years then, he ran an 18-mile lap around the camp every day. Finally, at the age of 16 years, an opportunity arose... He wrote a letter to the Catholic Charities and was relocated to the United States, where he started an entirely new life. Lopez continued running, qualifying for the U.S. Olympic team in 2008, and he was the very proud flag bearer there for the team. He will now race at the London Games in the 5,000 metres for which he set a world record time of 13 minutes and 11.63 seconds in April. It is so kind of him to join us now, so close to the Games. Lopez LeMond, welcome to Open House.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I'm so grateful for your time. Lopez, you say that you had a very happy childhood until one terrible day. What are your memories of being abducted by the rebel soldiers from your village back then?
1: Well, the only memory that I remember, it was like I was crying and basically watching my family depart away from me as I was carrying away by uh, guys with guns and dragging me to the truck covered with the canvas. The truck was so hot. Since I didn't have shoes on, I was stepping on people's toes and things like that, and that basically changed my life completely until today.
0: Did you ever think you'd see your family again?
1: No, not, not at all. As a young kid, I don't have any, any directions where we are going to because the truck was covered with the canvas. I just basically looked back to God and said, like, "Why did this happen on Sunday? Why did this happen to me?" My faith kept me strong until I got opportunity to to escape with uh, three of my angels, who who really really helped me so much to uh, escape from the prison camp to um, a promised land, which is refugee camp in Kenya. <laughs>
0: What made you, at the age of six, cry out to God?
1: My family really raised us like we are all Christians. And, you know, the only time that we are all looking forward to is, is on Sunday because that is the time that I can be able to go sing more songs and I see my family really worship, although we didn't have an actual building but basically kind of praising God and His most high name under the tree when we are so happy and why I was taken away, why people were with guns. They're not supposed to be going to, to do that in the church. And I, I was just so terrified.
0: So they take you to the camp. At the age of six, I keep thinking, this is so young. What was an average day in the camp like for you?
1: It really, really bad. They took us away from the truck. They blindfold us, and we are walking, you know, with a single file. Kind of like you follow who, who is in front of you. Basically, you're blind, no windows, you know, kind of like one roof hut. Basically, they took all of us with the, with the girls as well. We were just like about 100 other kids or so. Just sitting there, that feeding us with a grain mixed with a sand, most of us, we are very hungry, and most of the kids were like actually dying because the sand doesn't digest in your stomach, and a lot of kids were dying in the process of us being held captive.
0: And they were training you to be a child soldier. E-
1: exactly. I think what's an easy cut It's very easy to train a, a child to shoot. The target was basically the kids. And uh, I was so young to carry AK-47, but uh, unfortunately I you know, was left there to die. And most of the 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids kidnapped together, they were trained to basically go to the front line and fight. So unfortunately, because I was so weak, I was so young to carry AK-47. That was basically my only chance that I I had to wait for my death.
0: So tell us about your escape. How long were you in the camp before you got a chance to make it through that fence.
1: We were probably about like three weeks. I never went to school. I don't know days of the week or anything. We don't really see the light. We don't really see There is it's noise the windows. My angels is like, they were old enough to be trainers to go to the front line. As they were running around the camp, they saw the hole on the fence. And uh, they basically came over to me and they told me, hey, we are going to see your mom again. The reason why I say that is that my angels is like, these kids, I think there was a powerful thing that, that went into their heart basically was communicating, I think, to God even, like, to see how we can be able to do that, because they could have just decided to run by themselves, but they wanted to carry me along. They wanted to give me that future. They wanted to give me, like, you know, I'm already dead anyway. Why am I just try? And God protected us. We crawl outside. We escaped everybody while we were sleeping in the middle of the night. And we went through the door. We started crawling. The night was so, so dark. It's not even normal sometimes in Africa to have a dark night like that. And we ended up, like, crawling a little bit around this building, and we saw the soldiers while they were smoking some cigarettes and things like that, they were lighting up. I can see the glowing on their faces. You know, these guys were basically, like, holding me down. They didn't want me to, like, even make a small noise. And, uh, and we ended up, like, going through the fence, and that's what my, what my race started. You know, basically I was running away from the people who wanted to harm me, uh, training me as a South soldier.
0: And you ran and ran and ran for days.
1: We ran and ran three days, three nights. Uh, We don't know what direction we were going to, but we had a God who was protecting us. You know, we didn't even have the rain that day, and we have some, you know, water in this oasis, the fruit along the way. Since we are so young, we could not be able to, like, even feed an animal to feed ourselves, but God was providing for us along this journey, along this, like, giving these three kids more power to basically take care of me every time like i get so tired and i could not be able to go anymore i cannot be able to walk anymore they told me like hey you see these hills out there by the horizon that's where your mom is and then, again i got them this power coming to me like okay let's keep going let's keep going and then we go to these hills and then the hills actually like again extended to another 20 to 30 miles away and we keep running and running when it's so tired we could not be able to go anymore we sleep facing to where we are going because we don't want to go back to where we run from. So we're sleeping, facing where we need to wake up in the morning and started going that direction. So we just went, and uh, we ended up in a refugee camp.
0: Yes, how did you find that refugee camp? How do you explain that?
1: We thought maybe we were going to our village of Kimotong, and, but we actually ran a different direction and we ended up like being arrested by the border guards of South Sudan and Kenya. By that point, I could not be able to walk at all. My feet was, like, bleeding and a lot of pus in it. But even to go to the bathroom, I was crawling. And I felt like, okay, you know, like, I, couldn't, I cannot go anymore, like, in, in, any longer. And I see the faces of these soldiers in the border. Their faces are a little bit changed because they are not that vicious. We realized that we are in the right hands because they're not, not using their guns or anything. Like They're, like, protecting us. They feed us some grains, which is corn, and they took us to the Kakuma River camp, which is not too far from the border. And that's when our lives started for a decade.
0: Yes, yeah, so you spent 10 years there. There's one wonderful story that you write in your book, Running for My Life, about the television hooked up to a car battery. Can you tell us that story?
1: In 2000, I was 15 years old, and there was a Sydney Olympics in Australia, a lot of kids in the camp were talking about the games and Olympics and it's like that. I, I didn't even know what Olympics is. And they were like, okay, Lopez, can we go and watch the Olympics? We, we we do anything to get out of our tent. Since everybody was going, we said, okay, let's go. We walked about five miles to this other rich canyon man and he opened the door. He's like, what do you guys want? And we said like, we'd like to go watch the Olympics. I, I stepped right in front of this really black and white TV, small, operated by the car battery. And the first thing that came out was the 400 meters by Michael Johnson, you know, running USA on his chest. I was like so inspired, and I like, see the whole stadium, and, and this guy's like so fast, and he ran so fast, beat everybody, and then he cried. And I was like, why did he cry? In Africa, a guy like that, or. I've grown up, cannot cry. Even me, like as, as a 15-year-old, I cannot be able to show my cry. And he cried, you know, on, on TV. And this, there was a lot of people basically shouting. And it's just amazing to see that. This really opened my mind. I said, I would like to run as fast as that guy for that country one day. And that's when my Olympic dream started. And I just started running for my life. And I got so inspired by somebody who out there like thousands of miles away inspires me somewhere in a refugee camp and gives me that hope that one day I can run an Olympics for the United States.
0: You must have had a tremendous amount of discipline but also energy to run so far, 18 miles each day.
1: It's a way of escaping that temptation of you eating the food that is supposed to be rationed for 45 days. UN give us food could be even more than 45 days before we get another rationing. The only thing that we need to do is, like, distract ourselves from thinking about hunger and just go for a run, and we eat at midnight. And the reason why we eat at midnight is because, like, you know, we need to be able to uh, get that food in your system to sustain you through. Although it wasn't enough, but our running became our regimen.
0: And all the time you had this vision of the Olympics still in your mind.
1: Yes, absolutely, because the moment I saw the Olympic Games in Sydney... I was just like, there is another world out there for me, that I can be able to do what I do every day to run because running is like more about transportation. We did, I didn't know that it's a sport, you know, and if you want to go from one point A to point B and you want to get there quicker, you run there. It kind of changed me because after watching Michael Johnson cry, I knew that, wow, he did not really do this for himself. There was something bigger he was doing that for. He was running for a purpose, and that now, like I'm running for God. You know, I'm running for the people who did not have a chance to tell their story and tell their talent. This is the case that is still on, on today, as why well, I speak to you in South Sudan, in other part of the world in refugee camp is still going through what I went through, and that's why I'm like I'm here to inspire them. I'm here. I'm like a Michael Johnson to them. I want to inspire them to say like to tell them that. That is, more, think big, dream big. Somebody else is, is watching you. Somebody else is going to come to you and say, you are a son, or you are a daughter of God. And somebody's going to come out there and pick you up and say, hey, you matter? You go out there and practice any sport you want to practice.
0: Did you ever think of how you might achieve that dream? How do you go from a Kenyan refugee camp to the Olympics?
1: It's through God. I, I pray every day. The moment I captured that, the picture, you know, in a black and white TV with a USA on it, I started dreaming. Every time I think about running, my mind is like, one day I will be in the U.S. One day. God cannot bless people. The blessing doesn't come, like, right away. It takes a while, and it takes patience, and it takes, like, I want to be there. I want to be Olympic one day. I want to give back. I want to do this. Even when I came to the United States, although I never even win, like, a varsity race, I told my coaches, I want to go to the Olympics. And they were like, oh my goodness, are you serious? How are you going to go to the Olympics when you're like still running 17 minutes for 5K? You have to believe, and God will always open the doors.
0: And you took action after 10 years and wrote to the Catholic charities.
1: After 10 years, when we get opportunity that the United States government won 3,500 lost boys, when I heard about that, and it says United States government won 3,000 with the church, I was just like, I have to do it. I have to write my story. And I basically went back, started writing a story in Swahili. We went out, we translated from Swahili to English word by word. I knew that. I put everything out there. God was there and my name was there, was called. And I was just so happy. Having that letter in the VG camp was huge for me. You know, basically it's like another step to go to America. Somebody was helping me.
0: So what was it like arriving in the United States for you?
1: It was just amazing. I remember July 31st of 2001, my family, who'd never seen me before, we wanted to see this black and white passport size photo, you know, with my records. And they came over while I arrived in Syracuse. You know, they uh, received me and with a big sign that said, welcome home. I never had that before. And it was just incredible to see that I basically lived uh, a childhood again, the childhood that I never had before, a family.
0: So you are adopted into a new family?
1: Yes, I was adopted into a new family in upstate New York. You know, they tell me, it's like, you're going to school. Although my education level wasn't enough, wasn't even like a first grade education, but I believe that the reason why uh, education is the only way I can be able to tell the story and be able to, like, take advantage of all the resources that United States kids are getting I have to get that, too, and I have to take that opportunity. I, n- I cannot take anything for granted because I never owned a pencil, a pen, paper, anything in, in a camp. But now I got my own backpack. I got everything. But although I have to go through a lot of different cultures like that, I was willing to learn very quickly. I graduated in high school after three years, and it's just incredible to have my family out there supporting me, cheering me on the whole way.
0: And still you never lost that vision that you wanted to run and you wanted to get to the Olympics.
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I never lost it because, you know, the first thing that I asked cross-country coach was that I want to go to Olympics. I wasn't even an American citizen yet. That dream, that power that was in me, in my heart the whole time, you know, I have to follow that. I have to, I have to keep going. I have to keep pursuing. There is nothing impossible with God. Like, everything is possible. I, w- I want to give back. I want to run for this country, you know, since I'm already here.
0: What was your coach's response when you told him that?
1: I mean, he was removing his head and holding his head. It's like, how, how, how can you make this possible? Jeez. You know? You, I mean, you not even like, you don't even have any marks. You know, you don't even know how to race. And actually, one of my teammates, uh, one of my best friends, we were running out and looking at the nice, really high mountain, overlooking the whole high, high school. And, and basically, I said, if I go to Olympic, will you come and, wa- and watch me? And he said, yes. When I met him, Tim, he came over, and I realized that whatever I said is going to be true.
0: And then you made the team for two thousand and eight.
1: Yes, yes, and I, I made I made a team. Even to have an opportunity to be invited into the Olympic trial, United States Olympic trial—that's really hard to be able to do that. And I was just so blessed. I was just like, you know, thank you. I'm like, you know, a lot of people will be watching me. I can be able to tell my story and all these things. And I'm I'm no longer running away, for, basically, for my life. I'm running toward something that I need to be give back, to, you know, to the people who never come back here, and I'm running for joy. You know, I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating the, the gift that God bless me, and I have to multiply it. When I finished third, I called my parents, and I said, you are going to Beijing, and they started crying. Oh, my goodness, like, you've been saying this since you are 16 years old, and I just say, like, come over, please watch me, uh, in the Olympics, and it was just incredible to, to, you know, they ended up coming to Olympics and to have my family out there and have people, you know, waving American flag and taking a picture. Like, I thought it was a dream. I started, like, teaching myself to wake up. Basically, 80 years ago, I was I was this kid. Like, I was basically a lost boy. Nobody to care for me. Now I, I'm running for a country. Basically, I want to be a great ambassador and to just thank. American people for giving me opportunity. That's what I it was incredible to have to have my family out there.
0: Yes, that was your American family who went to see you in the Olympics. Yes, you were eventually reunited with your family in Sudan as well. What was that like?
1: Yes, yes. In in two thousand and three, I got I received a phone call that my mom was actively looking for me, and after seventeen years of separation. In 2007, just after I became an Amer- American citizen, I, I have my own passport with my name on, my picture. You know, it was just so incredible because the picture of my mom totally is, like, different. When I saw this woman in front of me and started dancing, started, like, it just brought tears to me. And to see, like, she was just such a strong woman, like, still, ne- she never gave up on me. My dad came over as well. And it was just, like, incredible to have that, like, a Thanksgiving sit down at a table and share that meal that we never shared when I was young and when I was taken away and it's just like it's blessing it's incredible how God can be able to like protect people and eventually reunite them after 17 years and this amazing it's a
0: wonderful story fast forward to London and you've been setting such wonderful times in the 5,000 meters what are you hoping to achieve in London how do you think you'll go
1: Getting the opportunity to go represent this great nation, the United States, and have these colors on my body and, and represent it is my dream come true. This is my second Olympics going totally with a different event. Uh, last Olympic, I was 1,500 meters runner, but now, like, you know, I think I can be able to have a great potential in 5,000. Most importantly, it's like I wish one day out there, one kid, you know, even the United States or Australia or in, anybody all over the world, and be able to see me that anything is possible. And I'm going to London focusing that I need to give back to this country. I want to go run my best race. It's going to be tough. The uh, competition will be very, very tough, but I think I'm prepared mentally, physically, and to be able to go out there and really defend, like, try to get this medal back to the United States where it belongs and be able to, like, to give a thank to the American people for giving an opportunity to represent them in the Second Olympics.
0: Lopez, I'm sure after hearing your story on Open House around Australia, there'll be lots of Australians cheering for you as well when you race. Can I ask you finally, what do you say to God today about the way your life has played out?
1: I will say to God, I am your son. You basically rescued me from wilderness, from anything, from the dangers, and I could could have been dead somewhere in that camp and never give up. You're always there for me. You know, he's a God of forgiveness. You know, I've already forgiven all the people, like, kidnapped me because they don't know what probably what they did, but I think they were doing that for the good thing for me. But now is my time to be able to go out and give back with my foundation and give a future for these other kids in South Sudan, giving clean water, education, health care, and nutrition. But I'm still fighting to be able to give back to these kids. I would like to give opportunity to these kids to to get everything that they need. The the opportunity that American people give to me, I would like to trickle that down. That fight is still going. That race still not even begun yet. I'm asking everybody, my friends all over the world, let's have a big race. Come back, run along with me, and let's give back to this uh, community. So I think this is like the time for me from South Sudan to be able to tell everybody we need to go out there and help. We need to go there and give opportunity. If anybody will be out there cheering me on, things like that, please visit my website, lopezlamong and forsouthsudan.org to be able to come along, run with me, and we'll have a great Olympics
0: afterwards. Great stuff. And we'll put that uh, website and also the title of your book, Running For My Life, up on our Open House Community Facebook page. It's been a great privilege speaking with you, Lopez. Thank you so much for joining us and all the very best for uh, London
1: you so much. I would like to also, you know, to shout out to the great Australian government for giving opportunity for a lot of South Sudanese refugees to basically give them opportunity. It's united us. We in Australia, United States, all over the world, that give the opportunity to these uh, kids. You know, now we get our opportunity, our hope. And, you know, thank you so much for everything and thank you for uh, opportunity for me to share my story and hope you have a great day.
0: Same to you. Thank you so much, Lopez.